Hello, everybody. Welcome to Catfish Weekly, episode 69. Tonight, we're talking artificial baits and catfishing. And uh, I think we have probably uh, one of the kings, if not the king of artificial baits and catfishing with the pictures I've seen, Keith Severns. Uh, Chuck Davidson's here tonight. We're, we're testing out a brand new prototype virtual reality machine. Looks pretty cool. I think, uh, I think we all might get one of those. We got Lyle Stokes with us and myself, Chris Fudd Wallace. But uh, welcome, Keith. How you doing tonight? All right, man. Glad to be here. Very glad to be here. That's cool, man. So uh, you do a lot of artificial fishing, right? I do you... a lot of fishing, period. But yes, period. yes, I, I love the artificial aspect. I love hunting them down instead of waiting for them to come to me. Now, are, are you normally targeting catfish, or are you just targeting whatever bites your your lure when you're out there? I am targeting flathead catfish, but I, I love all species, and I'll take those bonuses anytime they come. All right. Well, I'm gonna, we're all going to have a lot of questions for you. Anybody in chat, if you guys have questions, uh, put them in the chat. We'll ask them for you. Um, but, you know, we're going to try to take advantage of uh, his knowledge, what he's learned. Not a, not a ton of people are using artificials in catfishing, so this is a. I think this is going to be a great episode, and there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot to be learned from Keith tonight. So, um, you know, keep your ears open, and uh, if you got a question, just said just ask. So, Chuck, go ahead and get us get us rolling there. Good to have you on, Keith. Thanks, Chuck. Hey, um, I was wanting to ask you some questions about um, about the plastics. Um, you know, if you could go over some different brand sizes you use um, and, and the different materials uh, that you prefer, the, the realistic feels, and uh, if you would go over uh, the, the brands that have the uh, added scents and amino acids and, you know, cover the importance of, uh, you know, having those also. Okay. Um as everyone that knows me knows, I love soft plastics, and um, one of my favorites is a, a wide variety of the gulp plastics, Berkeley gulp, um, such as this six-inch jerk shad. Um, we've got some uh, gulp eels. Um, I've got a wide variety of gulp, and fish really seem to love the smell of it. I mean, I catch all species on it, but uh, flatheads in particular just seem to be drawn to it. If this this drops down in their face, a lot of times they're going to smack it, whether they're actively feeding or not. It's just a impulsive temptation, you know. Uh, a human could be laying on a couch stuffed full if someone dangles a Dorito down in front of him, he's still going to eat that Dorito. So I, I'm I'm laying these plastics down. I'm vertical jigging these edge lines, and and dropping smelly plastics down by him, and then they'll grab it. Uh, but what do you what do you think the most important part of the uh, scent is? Uh, do you actually think it's the scent of the different species or the oils of the different? Of type bait fish they may add in, or do you think it's the amino acids that the uh, the catfish actually need to grow that uh, actually entice them the most? I think it's the amino acids, but more than that, 
it you just don't want your plastic smelling like plastic. That's unnatural. Okay. So this is uh, one of many tubs I have. Of course, the wife makes me keep them in the garage. But um, those are non-gold plastics. So to get the smell out of those, I constantly have them soaking in a wide variety of that mixture right there is sardine oils, mackerel juices, um, um, clam juice, um, different varieties of power bait formulas such as walleye formula. Um, it doesn't really matter what you use, it just you want it oily, fish oils of any kind, keep soaking them. Some plastics are harder to infuse than others, so some plastics, you know, you have to poke with needles. I mean, do whatever it takes. Keep soaking them constantly. Then when I take them out of these tubs, I'm putting them in, in baggies, even with the liquid, when they're out with me, I always have my plastic soaking. The gulps, uh, do, go ahead, sir. Uh, do, do you, how often do you change them out, or do you just re-dip the one you have on your hook and recast it? When I start to run out of my baggies, I'll, I'll get more out of the tubs, the ones that have been soaking the longest. Uh, no, uh, while you're out fishing, how, how long How long do you use that particular plastic before you put a fresh one on, or do you uh, keep dipping it down into the juice after so many casts? I'll, I'll either tie a new fresh one on, or I'll apply just different, more scent to it about every 15 minutes. Um, they've got this stuff called Smelly Jelly. Uh, you can put this on on hard lures or soft lures on your jig heads and this stuff stays on for a good 15-20 minutes and there's all kinds of different smelly varieties of it. You got your crawfish flavors for your crawdad imitations and your your shad flavors for your baitfish imitations. So yeah and like the gulps um, about 15 minutes I'll, I'll take a gulp minnow like this off the jig head and put it back in the gulp bag, and this you can use it again. It'll it'll freshen back up later. But I'll put a I'll put a fresh one on, and let the one I've been using freshen up in the bag. Yes, I've I've heard this, but I don't know if it's true because um, I've used the the old gulp chicken liver type, uh, you know, just for channel cats a couple of times. Um, never did any good with them. But they were saying that the material that it's made out of is some type of a, a polypropylene. Um, and actually, the older that that material gets is the better that it holds scent. So after they get all raggedy looking where most people would throw them away, if they still have all the parts, that that's about the best time of the life of that plastic to be able to hold the uh, scent. Do you agree with that? Um. Yeah, I do agree with that, but you can't really judge it off of those gulp, uh, off their catfish lineup. I've tried those. They they don't work. They just fly. I mean, I love Berkeley Gulp, but they 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 didn't hit the mark there with their catfish ones. No, they need the, to work, the, need to the, work on that. Right. The uh, I, the I reason would rather why... throw this gulp minnow out there and just let it dead stick on the bottom and I guarantee you a channel cat will come eat this just sitting there laying there motionless on bottom rather yes, than well, yes the, the reason why I bought them was to uh, I was want, I was interested in the material they use 
So uh, I bought a couple bags, and I have some stuff that I mixed up that's just a amino acid base uh, that I needed to soak, uh, have something to soak it in where it would release over a certain amount of time where I could add it to a, uh, a rig to try out. So uh, I just bought those to dry them out and get all the scent out of to try to add my own stuff to them to see how they work. That may work. I, I didn't know that the uh, catfish lineup was made of a different material than their. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a polypropylene. It's, it's supposed to be about the same thing. Uh, do's and don'ts in tournaments. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some things you should be doing, some things you probably shouldn't be doing. Uh, probably talk a little bit about some other things. but Somebody's uh, last week show. Welcome, everybody. Uh, sorry I missed you last week. Um, Chuck, if you want to go ahead and get us going on the do's and don'ts and things you might want yeah, to get. Is that you, Lyle? Well, it ain't me. Uh, it ain't me. Well, I hadn't fished any, uh, you know, gone now. Really big tournaments. <laughs> uh, you know, monsters on the Ohio. They they were pretty much standard. Uh, Lyle's face was up, so it's probably his. The yeah, I think um, it's on yours, Lyle. It's not on mine. If every tournament trail had a standard. It's, it's in your background or something because the, your your face is coming up. Yeah, it, look at your. Look. Oh, <laughs> oops! All right. Um, before we keep going, anyway, uh, Keith, I got a couple questions from the chat. People from chat have for you. Um, Major Brown wants to know: Have you ever caught them on spinner baits, or do you try spinner baits at all? Yeah. You do catch them on spinner baits. Butcher tail, think musky size spinners. And do you and do you put any scent on them on them on the hair on the end or anything like that or? Absolutely, douse 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 it good. Now this is more of a faster presentation. The scent really plays the role when I'm doing more of the pitching and flutter falling or the the vertical jigging. That those slower in their face presentations is when that scent really shines. When you're using crankbaits or power presentations to get that reaction strike, the scent doesn't play in so much. But, I mean, on a, on a, on a hard swim bait like this, I'm still going to douse that sucker with smelly jelly, you know, just, just for that final, final strike. It may make them inhale it a little farther down. All right. Welcome back, Lyle. Hey. And I'll also sweeten the dill on the butcher tail and on that big, big treble. I'll throw, uh, there's two of them, but I, I would throw another one on the third. And then as that thing is spinning around and vibrating, those babies are jiggling behind money. What what do you, what do you target your largest largest catfish on? Well, I mean, not target, but what seemed to produce your largest catfish? Uh, um, I've caught a couple of fifty pounders on a three inch gold minnow during the cold times. Talking uh, early spring, March, 
when they first start moving out and late fall. I don't know why those those colder water periods they want a smaller offering sometimes. But and that's another thing I wanted to talk about. Um, a lot of people going after predator species, you know, they're going to start off with your your power presentations, your big stuff, um, you know, going for that reaction strike, going for actively feeding fish. I start off the, and then if they're not biting, then they'll downsize and they'll go to finesse. I kind of start off opposite with the flatheads. Since they're, you know, sedentary 90% of the time, or they've already actively fed when you're out there, I, I'm applying that Dorito strategy I talked about with, with uh, I like this double, a double, two jigs tied in line, about 12, 15 inches apart with two gulps. Here's the bottom one. You want to be a little bit bigger, and, and you got a smaller jig tied in line with a polymer knot. So it gives the, it, it's basically a drop, drop shot rig, but you can do anything with it. You can uh, pitch it and flutter fall it next to cover. You can uh, hop, slow hopping on the bottom. You can cast it and retrieve it at all different levels. You can put a uh, you can put a float at various levels and suspend it and let the wind and waves you know cover water for you. Um, but one of my favorite methods is just vertical jigging, just straight beside the tube, just pop pop drop, flutter fall down, pop pop drop next to edge lines, next to any cover. Um, there's something about two fish is better than one. I mean, why just use one jig? And there's something about a, the bigger offering on the bottom chasing another fish. It, it, it brings out a predatory response. Uh, they want a piece of that action. If they see something chasing something else, and then, boom, you've also got to you, you give her that, that sweep up or pop up, up, and that gives it the escape mechanism that triggers fish. And then, boom, it flutters back down. They can't resist it. And then you've got the power of that smell involved, too. It's deadly, deadly system. Tim, uh, so, Tim wants to know what size are, are the jig heads that you're using in them rigs? Um, that varies a lot, just according to waterway and, and the current. Um, right now, that's probably a uh, three-eighths on the bottom and a quarter ounce on top. Um, just varies, and and another thing about jig heads. This isn't very big jig, but you can see it's short and compact, and it's super strong. A lot of jigs, you can test them out. A lot of jigs on the market, no bueno. You can pull right there, pull straight back, and you can bend them out, no problem. You can do that with your fingers. You don't want that jig. I can pull on this one as hard as I can, and it won't budge. So is that a specific uh, company or model that you have found that seems to be a better quality? Well, there's a lot of good jigs out there. This happens to be a Northland Weed Weasel, and they actually come with two little uh, flares on it for for uh, make it weedless. Uh -huh. But I usually snip those off because I don't want anything in my way of 
you know, Flathead's maw is is tough. You want to get a good hook set. And that's another, I, I never go anywhere without this little sharpening stone. You know, you're constantly getting snagged, rocks, wood. I want these babies as sharp as possible. You'll see me out there. Guys have been fishing with me like, damn, he sharpens his hooks a lot. Well, it's it's real important. I want the sharpest damn hooks I can get. Awesome. So, so basically what I'm saying about um, I go to that the, that finesse first, and, and then if that's not working, then I'll go to my power stuff, my, my big stuff on my bait caster. I'm use, I always carry two poles with me on my float tube. The uh, spinning reel for the for the lighter stuff for the double uh, double gold jigs and the bait caster for the big swim baits um, the big crank baits. Here's a nice swim bait right here made by Storm. I mean, looks just like the real deal. Why why wouldn't a flathead chomp that? Why do you need to use a live shad when you got this? <laughs> There's another awesome product out there, guys. It's Uncle Josh Meat. And this is actually in the meat saltwater lineup. That's a 10 or 11 incher there. They cut a little tail out for you. This stuff undulates in the water like you wouldn't believe. It looks so alive. And this already comes scented with like a squid smell for saltwater. So it's already good and smelly. But I, I have that dipping, you know, soaking in my batches of goodies as well, just to have more scent. And this holds scent a long time. Check out those meat products, the saltwater lineup specifically. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, some of the other questions we got for you. What type of rod do you use? Um, and Lyle, do you happen to make a jigging rod for catfish? Well, yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Keith, what, what kind of rod is it that, you, that you're that you using? I know you said a, there's a spinner rod and a bait caster, but is there any specific brand or anything that, or an action that you like more? Or? My... My spinning rod is pretty light, for, but super sensitive. I can I can feel the slightest tap. I can feel changes in bottom contour. Um, it's a seven foot Gander Mountain uh, GSX Titanium with micro guides, and I run 65 pound Power Pro mainline, and then of course I have the barrel swivel and about a three foot leader of 25 pound Trilene Mono. I like the that mono leader for the a little bit of shock absorption when those beasts hit, and, and it's also better in the rocks. I love fishing rocks. Three feet, huh? That's a pretty good size leader. Well, yeah, that's it, it's so I can run that two two gold the two jigs. Yeah. And that's a seven foot rod, medium action, and then my my other one is a 711 heavy action omen rod with my bait caster to throw the bigger power offerings look at this bad boy right here that's a steeble magic swimmer soft bait 
So you can see I've just I've got that Texas rigged with the sliding weight. Now on, on that one, I probably can't see my I, I don't need near as long a leader because I'm not using two jigs. But I still use the mono leader, uh, just a sliding slip sinker, uh, big old 12 aught offset hook, and once again. I run that sideways. A lot of people run them up and down. I think it has a lot better action sideways. And you can see I don't put that hook back into the body because I, I want that just laying flat there. Yeah, you can still get snagged a little bit, but I can usually pop it free. But I want that, that hook just laying flat right there so I've got all that penetration when a fish hits. I can power it through that plastic and into his mouth. And you can drop this baby into anything, wood cover, just, you know, pitch it into the gnarliest stuff. Uh, it's 50-50 sometimes getting them out of that stuff, but uh, they'll nail that thing. All right, I know there's more questions, but I'll go ahead and let Chuck ask you some more if you've got any more, Chuck. Um. Yeah, tell me what what got you into the the float tube? Did you start off with a kayak or anything, or did you just start straight off with a float tube? And how long you been doing that? I've been float tubing probably twenty five years. Um, I was just mainly a bass and crappie guy, you know. I, I I've been missing out for a long time, <laughs> but uh. I think it was nine, maybe ten years ago, I'm crappie fishing, using the double gulp jigs with three-inch gold minnows, jigging brush piles, catching nice slab crappie, and boom, I feel the thump of my life, and 40, that was with an ultralight, by the way, and six-pound line, 40 minutes later, catch a 40-pound flathead, and my life's never been the same since. Um, <laughs> I, I love these fish with a passion. I love to catch them. I love to release them. And that's really important these days with the way they're, they're getting hammered, man. Over the past 10 years, I, I've, I've seen the fisheries really, uh, you know, flatheads aren't going to go extinct, but those bigs seem to keep getting thinner and thinner every year. Yeah, speaking of... Uh... Of fish, I know that you were talk, telling me a little bit earlier. You got that big old 200-gallon fish tank behind you, and you you got a yes, little sir. flat got a little flathead in there, and some uh, all kinds of other fish in there. Uh, yes, you said sir. Sunfish or I, bluegill. Yes, sir. I've got some native Kansas fish in there. I've got a flathead in there. Uh, my son actually caught that about two and a half years ago. He was crawdad hunting, lifting rocks and catching crawdads for us, and he cupped that up in his hands, and it, it was only about maybe not even a half inch long. We couldn't even tell, you know, if it was a channel cat, bullhead, or flathead at the time. It was so tiny. And I put that thing in my tank, and I, I had already had some, some uh, crappie and some sunfish in there. And I thought, man, that sucker's going to get chomped. And I didn't see him for like a month. I figured for sure he was a goner. Well, they do what they do best. He he hid under the rocks. You know, that's I think that's what they do for the first year of their life, and uh, they have to. He he hid under the rocks, and when I cleaned the tank, I found him, and he was about an inch bigger, <laughs> and uh, just been growing him ever since. He's about close to two pounds now. 
Well, what what age did you see him start getting very uh, predatory? What length? Um, about eight inches, eight inches long. He started to come out a lot more and felt a lot more comfortable. I think he finally realized at that point that nothing in that tank could eat him. And that's when you started seeing him actually uh, got to watch him feed and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, so, so what? What do you keep? You keep a lot of shiners and stuff in there to feed them, or uh... goldfish, minnows, shiners. Um, he does not like worms. You can lay a worm right in his face; he won't touch it. He will not touch a worm. I know guys. <laughs> I know guys can catch big flatties every once in a while on a big ball of worms, but he doesn't like them. But, uh, I've had a lot of stare out contests with him, and he wins every time, man. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a stare out competition with the flathead. Yeah. Don't win. Well, I, we got another question for you from Major Brown. Um, are you catching all species of catfish using artificials? Channels, flatheads, and blues, or just channels and flatheads? Or Unfortunately, I don't have the blues around here. In, in in my area to play with, but uh, I'm sure it work on them. It, it I catch the fire out of channel cats and flatheads, but and that's that's the two main species I have around here. I would have to Maybe say they work on blues as well. I mean, if it, you got shad, you got uh, bluegill. There he is. Can you guys see him? Do you guys see him? Yep. Yeah. There you go. I'll put it right on you there. So. Everybody sees you. You're you're up a little high right now. Go down a little bit. To your left. There you go. Yeah. Hello, Mr. Flatty. You coming to say hello too? All yes, right. sir. <laughs> uh, do do you think you're ever gonna? Let, uh, you think you're going to put him back in the river one day, or are you just going to keep him in there? I'm actually building a, a big rock quarry pond out back, and, and I, I want to keep keep him for life. He'll, he'll probably outlive me, cool. and then I'll pass him on to my kids. Um, I'm digging it out real deep. It's going to have waterfalls cascading in. Um, it's dug out right now. I need the uh, liner and, um, and the pump, which... I'm, I'm working on a new home for it, and can't wait till that, she'll really start getting big then, you know, put her in big water. Oh, yeah. I'll get down in there and uh, swim with her and hand feed her some big old koi goldfish and good times, man. <laughs> Are you, is she hard to catch in the tank? Is she like trying to catch a wild one in a live well, or is she oh, easy to yeah. get a hold of? No, she's not easy to get a hold of by any oh. means. <laughs> So she makes a mess in the living room, huh? Yeah. Yes, sir. All right, kids. I didn't leave you no money, but old Mr. Whiskers is all yours. <laughs> I uh, got to... <laughs> What's that, Jack? Any... I was asking Lyle if he's got anything. He he hadn't asked any questions yet. Are well, you all done? I'm, I'm pretty skeptical about this stuff. <laughs> you know... One thing, what type of water are you fishing when you're doing this? These methods, um, you guys know Chapman, right, on the Bass Tour? 
Yeah, I know who you're talking about, yeah. Maybe, uh, well, I think he does so good because Kansas has so many different uh, varieties of waterways. And these techniques have worked in everything from shallow, muddy creeks to we have some really huge crystal clear sand pits, 50 foot deep. So I'm fishing shallow, muddy stuff. I'm fishing super clear, gin clear, deep stuff. This has worked in, uh, I don't, we don't have any big rivers around here, but it's worked in medium sized rivers. Um, it's worked in state fishing lakes, reservoirs, creeks, sand pits, uh, any body of water I can find. This has worked in. I would, and I try I would, to find it all. I would like to see it uh, tried on the Mississippi and Missouri rivers. Um, if you can catch fish. I would too. When we going? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm sitting here with a boat full of gas. He wants, he fishes out of a tube though, Lyle. You got to get in a tube with him. I ain't getting in no tube. I'm gonna <laughs> take right now. That's like one of the little bass buddies. You guys bring. Guys got on it. I ain't getting in one. You of guys them. bring up. You guys bring up an important key there. Uh, the tube is actually a big part of this system. Um, the tube forces me to slow down and probe every little nook and cranny. Um, the tubes, the stealth of the tube. I believe is huge because I'm catching these things right under me, right beside me. Uh, you're not going to do that paddling kayaks or using a trolling motor. Skinning fish. I'm catching a lot of these fish shallow, one to five foot deep, just cruising edge lines, cruising shallow edge lines, um, and usually in the daytime. Sometimes high noon in the middle of summer. People think flatheads are nocturnal. That's Madness! If you see my picks, eighty percent of them are, are daytime flatties. Are you using any type of uh, fish finder, depth finder, anything to find the fish, or are you just throwing it up in brush and structure? No, these are my depth finder. I drop jigs down, and I, I I'm going on pure instinct. No electronics. So the medium-sized rivers that you fish, do they have any current to mount anything on them? Yeah, they have current. Uh, do you have an idea about what you are? Um, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you how much. Um, I know I go with the current. I don't try to go the other way. I go with the current and, and have the truck parked a few miles down. So you're just floating along there, and, and when you see a piece of structure you want to fish, you just uh, basically try to hold on that until you've thoroughly convinced yourself that you've made the best attempt to make something happen as you can. Yes, and I can, I can uh, being in that tube on the water is like being a human bobber, and, and that has really helped me read water and read currents. I mean, there's backflows, there's eddies, there's the current seams. I can hold on a river where I want to a lot of times. You know, probably not the Mississippi or the James, but on these smaller to medium-sized rivers, I can, I can hold and I can circumvent around a big log jam, dipping into every little opening I can find, dropping my plastics down there. Uh, you know, you, you can't do that in a kayak. You can't do that in a boat. I'd sure like to see that happen sometime. I just, uh, I just can't make. I can't. The the places I fish, I can't see it 
it working. They, they might, maybe I just missing the boat, but uh, your success rate speaks for itself. So uh, that's you know pretty much cut and dry. If you're catching them the way like you are, then uh, it's something that everybody should take a look at and at least give an honest uh, uh, effort to to make it work. But uh, uh, right. the truth, I have never looked for the type of bait that you're using. To even consider using them, so you know that's maybe I'm missing the boat here on some stuff. Are are flatheads not the ultimate predators? Oh, absolutely. You know, I hear these stories does, about does, musky and pike this and musky that, and why hell a, a good flathead to eat the the majority of them for dinner. That's right. Uh, does this look alive to you? Well. It's hard for me to judge on that camera. You've got it pretty close, but they do have a lot of good movement. That's for sure. Trust me, they they look alive, and trust me, they smell alive. Uh, what more <laughs> does a fish want? If you present it in a natural manner, and and you have the stealth factor like I do with the tube, I'm telling you, it's it's money system. So I'm are catching you flatheads every, almost every weekend to prove that? Are you just jigging those up and down in brush piles in? When, when you find a brush pile, like a like log jam or something, you just get up to it and jig them up and down in different areas on that pile? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But even more than brush piles, I, I like I said before, I, I love rock lines. Huge riprap, big boulders. I mean, think about rock. Um, flatties are drawn to rock like, like snakes. They're, Especially in the in the early season and early spring, like we've just been through, those rocks radiate heat. Those rocks hold the crawdads. There's another food source for them. Every big rock is a potential ambush spot, a potential lair. So I, I cruise rock lines, slowly creeping along them, probing the rocks. Sometimes right at the shoreline, and then sometimes I get my tube out and I'll just drop drop deeper. They're, they're going to be along that edge somewhere, or eventually they're going to come up along them rocks. It's just a natural feeding route, a natural edge line. I love the rocks. The flatties love the rocks. They uh, also love uh, sandbanks and, and flats and stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Do you ever try to, to uh, drift along and, and bounce your bait along the bottom while you're floating along? Yes, yeah. Sometimes I, I actually have rod holders on my tube, and I'll be digging perpendicular one way along an ed the edge line, like, say, the rocks, and this other rod will be dragging out on bottom on that deeper ledge. So, And if it gets hit, I can grab it, pull it out. So I, I'm fishing two rods at the same time sometimes. Okay. So you're basically drift fishing. At that at when you're doing that that. Yes. Yes. When you're when you're in these lakes and stuff, when you're talking about these clear water areas, do you ever have the opportunity to sight fish for these flatheads? No, I never have. Okay. I never have had the opportunity. I have um, on on uh, this nine-inch seabull hard minnow, I was pulling this through a little funnel area, twitching it only about a foot below the surface, 
and I see the big brown mini sub camo machine come up and blast this thing. It was amazing. Uh, that's a fish I will never forget. He hammered the Steeball 9-inch hard minnow and a foot under the surface, so it was almost like a topwater deal. And, and that's something I'm going to work on. I know flatheads eat ducks. I know they eat muskrats, snakes, right. frogs. I really want to catch one on the topwater this year. I'm going to be working hard on that one. That would well, be awesome. I think that, that uh, most catfish are opportunists to a certain extent. I, you know, blues uh, probably most of all, and then channel cats, but I think flatheads can be an opportunist. But we've talked about this before. They will kill stuff to eat it, but I think a lot of times they just kill it to get it away from them. They don't want things around them. They're just mean. Well, yes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, real quick on one of the we've got we still got more questions for you. Lots of people in in chat are interested, and I've got messages on Facebook as questions for you. Um, Johnny Ward asked, "What's the most you've ever caught from one brush pile?" Two. Two from one pile. Two from one pile. Now, and speaking of two flatheads, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen my pick on Facebook, but my uh, my double gulp rig. Two flatties at the same time. They're both about 15 pounders. One on wow. each jig at the time, proving that flatheads do indeed <laughs> eat in many wolf packs sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm a firm believer in if you catch one, there's another with it or close by. You may not, may or may not catch it, but there'll be one not too far away. Yeah, they'll, uh, a lot of people, when they have a, a set out, you know, bank fishing or whatnot, and they've fan-casted an area that a, a group will move through, and they'll, you know, boom, boom, boom. A group will move through there. You'll catch two, three flatties, and then, boom, they're gone. If, if you had a really good hit in a tree, um, you know, the, one of them heart-thumping hits, and in the, the very next jig you got your lure hung, uh, but w would you shake that tree trying to get that lure out, or would you cut the line with scissors retie and put something else on him or would you put your rod to the side and grab your other rod and use it until you leave that out on me on that one what well, where'd I lose you at you, you completely cut out on me on that one okay if, if you was fishing a log jam um, yeah. and and you had a heart thumping strike. Uh, and the, the very next jig, when you was going back after him, you got that lure hung. Um, how would you handle that? Would you cut it with scissors? Would you shake that tree trying to get it out? Or would you set that rod to the side and try to get it unhung later and grab your other rod and, and start jigging with it to try to get him to respond to it? Um, I've found that if, if they strike and you miss them, uh, he he's not going to come back. He's, you've scared him off at that point. Okay. Um, so now there might be another fish there. So, yeah, I would grab the other rod and keep pitching in there a few more times to see if there's another fish in there. But I don't think you're going to catch that fish again for, for a while. Hey, so Keith, I have a – this is just a story from this weekend. I don't know if you know who Casey Tudoro is. If you've heard yeah, of him I on – on Facebook, I know he's one of your friends, I believe. Uh, 
this yeah. weekend we were up we were up at Lake Schaefer basically uh, you know the flatheads were on fire he had he had a bite where he had got he had caught the fish and got uh, uh, got broke off or hung up and got broke off and it was you know retied his line back up and a little bit later caught a fish again and when he reeled it in and got it in the boat he seen his uh, his cut off line that he had just lost so that he caught the fish that he had just caught before well that's awesome man yeah, so it, awesome. it will happen. You can catch the same fish even though he's hit once and, and got off for some reason. Yeah, it, it can know, happen. It, it's it's. I'm just saying it's it's a rarity. Yeah, it's a rarity. And speak just while I'm here talking about that anyway. Speaking of which, um, Mary Jane happened to be her birthday. Uh, Mary Jane um, Wood and Terry Holding. Uh, Mary Jane caught a 53 and a half pound flathead. At this tournament, of course, was big fish. Um, so, and they won first place at that tournament. So that's an amazing fish. Congratulations, Mary Jane and Terry. Um, that's a beautiful flathead. I, I wish I could have seen it in person. They were smart. They had the tournament directors come in so they could weigh it and get it put back in the water as fast as possible. Um, that's another amazing thing that they did. You know, they probably could have kept it alive in their live well. They just didn't want to to chance it. You know, they wanted to get him back in the water as soon as possible. Good for them. Good for them. That's wonderful. Yep. You got any more for him, Lyle? No, not right now. I may have been a little bit, but I can't think of anything else right now. I just really... One of the, do you have any videos or anything like that of doing what you're talking about? Keith? He's locked up. Yeah, he might be locked up. Okay. I, I would love to watch some of that if he does have. I think that would be very interesting. I was going to tell you that if you, I don't know if you're friends with him or not, but if you send the friend request, he's got a video of a, it's a swim bait bluegill, and somebody's, like, they, they're sitting there doing the, you know, with the rod just making that bluegill swim around, and it looks like a real bluegill. It's pretty pretty cool. Now, is he making this stuff himself? No, I don't believe so. I believe uh, there is some custom swim bait people that are out there that will make stuff. Like, I think the video that I'm talking about might be a custom-made swim bait, um, and then there might be some... Chuck might know a little more. There might be some big manufacturers out there doing some of these things. And Most of it's salt water. Uh, large salt water plastics. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff that you might uh, use up on the Great Lakes, uh, you know, going after some of the, uh, you know, large muskies and uh, stuff like that. No, well, it's pretty interesting. I, You know, uh, I'm not sure I would just uh, uh, throw out everything out of the boat and, and take it to a tournament and try it, but I would like to give some of it a, uh, a shot. Um, if he can do it out of a out of a tube and cast shadows all over where these fish are doing it. I see no reason why it wouldn't work out of a boat. That's just my opinion. Uh, but he he's kind of in a stealth mode with, with the way he's doing it. He's quiet and he's sneaking up in places where these fish are at. But, um, you know, I, I don't, 
my personal opinion is I don't think the trolling motors and thing upset these fish even in the shallow water because I've trolled, I've, you know, we've drifted right down through them and caught them in shallow water and uh, it, it didn't seem to bother them and with that spot lock if you get a spot where you want to want to tr you know try to to do something I would think you ought to be able to just, if you're even in heavy currents you ought to be able to spot lock right down and, and try to work those fish if they're in there and, and I also think that the side imaging would be a great asset to someone wanting to do that. Again, yeah, though, just my personal feelings about it. I think that maybe, you know, he might not know about some of the newer technologies that's out there in the trolling motors. and That could be. Keith, welcome back. Hey, thanks, guys. What did I miss? Um, <laughs> not a lot. We were just, uh, I was just about to actually... Um, I'm gonna do a screen share and show people some of the pictures that uh, that you sent to me earlier, so that way uh, people can see what kind of what we're talking about a little bit. I'm gonna go ahead and share it now. Um, I don't know if you can see what they're seeing. Yeah, I see that. That's a saltwater chatterbait. Uh, incredible vibrations. Uh, you can really call out to the flathead's uh, amazing lateral line with that thing. Okay, the next picture we got uh, here. Uh, that's that big storm swim bait. And that that looks like that's a good six to eight inches long or so. Is that about right? That is ten inches long. All right, well, <laughs> ten inches long. <laughs> that, yeah, that's, that's what a pretty, they all say. Yeah. That's what they all say. <laughs> that was a pretty... It's a pretty good size bait right there. I could see uh, that catching a good, good size fish. Yeah. Uh, here's uh, your next picture. Yeah, a bunch of various plastics soaking in my my concoctions. I would say that you got crawdads here. You got what would be some shad looking baits. Yes, um, sir. Uh, some of those meat products. Yeah. Uh, Which almost looks like a, just a a fillet, you know, just a yeah. fish fillet. Yeah, yeah, but the the action in the water is incredible with those. I mean, they undulate like crazy. There's a picture of a flathead. Looks like it's on a on a crawdad, a soft crawdad. Yeah, that that's a custom inch, uh, custom seven inch crawdad that a, a guy here in Wichita uh, was making for me. He quit making them, so um, I'm in the market to find the biggest crawdads I can find. Uh, it, all I can find are four and five inchers. I need some 9, 10, 11 inch crawdads. I want some lobsters. Flat I may hits. have, I may Flat have a contact. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Case Plastics. I, I actually know the owner of Case Plastics. I could possibly try to get a hold of him and see if there was something he could do. That that would be awesome, especially if he could infuse crayfish oils into the plastic. Yeah, that's something I'll have to look and see if I uh, still have his contact information and and maybe send him an email out and. Everything loves a good crustacean. I'm telling you, flatheads eat crawdads like candy. Even if a even if a flatty's already fed himself full for the night, uh, they still can't resist a crawdad coming by. Yeah, here's your next picture. It looks like I see the meat, the Josh meat, I think, or something like that. And yep, yep. The Berkeley gulps. It looks like uh, saltwater eels. Um. You know, uh, Kalen makes those huge grubs. 
You ever heard of the Kalen Grubs? No, but okay, I'll take well, your word for it. Kalen, those uh, chew, that thing I'm grabbing in the back there, uh -huh. that thing is 11 inches long. It's called a saltwater scampi. And, and like I was telling you, I, I was wanting bigger uh, crawdad imitations. So those kind of resemble a crawdad in the water. Puts out awesome water displacement. Those legs wiggle. And I've got those soaking in scent crawdad oils. Yeah, I would almost say that it would resemble between a crawdad and a um, frog, maybe frog legs. Right. It, it just resembles something alive, and I make it smell good just to sweeten the deal. Now, did did we talk, not to interrupt uh, Chris, but did we talk about uh, earlier in the show where you get this stuff, these these baits? Um, I'm getting some of this stuff through Gander Mountain and through Cabela's here in town, but uh, all the saltwater stuff I have to order online. Um, I like okay. Fish USA a lot. They have a lot of stuff. Okay. All right, next photo. Looks like just a wide assortment of things. Yeah, just a lot of the stuff I've already shown you. Yeah. All right. And that goes back. All right. Yeah, that's all the uh, photos that I got from you. Well, now, uh, here's something. Uh, as skeptical as I am, uh, when we started drift fishing a few years ago, it took me about three years before I'd even give it a try. I didn't believe that would work either. Uh, and now that's one of the main things we do to catch uh, blues for tournament fishing. So um, I can see where this is very interesting. At least it's very interesting to me. And, I, you know, after the show, I would like for you to stay on with us a little bit so I can gather up some information because I can't remember the stuff that you was telling about where you get this and what you're soaking it in. That way I can write some of this stuff down if you wouldn't mind, Keith. It's going to cost you. <laughs> we'll work it out. <laughs> we'll work it out, man. All right. Um, again, you know, before we keep going here on this, there's uh, uh, some other things that I want to say, you know, sort of the midpoint of the show, even though it's a little bit later on. But I um, also want to give a shout-out to the Team Dirty Dogs, uh, which is Cody White, Josh Garrett, Joe Stone, Looks like Skyler May, Nicholas Cruz, Patrick Bryan of North Carolina uh, on their win Saturday for the on the Dash for Cash tournament. Um, Team Hard Noodle for hosting three great catfish tournaments. I guess Mr. Gravedigger himself, Dennis Anderson, showed up with his son to fish. Uh, may even be watching tonight. Uh, Ernest Berry has a lot of respect for all you guys. Wanted wanted to make sure we got a shout out to you. Um, Ernest Berry, you know, a great guy. I could tell by the things that he's posted on Facebook that he's a real sportsman. Uh, when you get your butt handed to you in a tournament and you go on Facebook and you tell everybody, hey, you know, these guys did a great job. They whooped my butt. You know, that's that's a true sportsman, you know. Um, you know, giving props where they're due, and that's what he did. And, 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 you know, telling us thanks for the things that we've helped him out with, that's, uh, you know, posting on the things, that, that's posting on our website, our Facebook page and everything, that's all awesome. Um, so, you know, like I said, uh, thanks to all you guys that are, are watching the show. And if you're uh, just tuning in or you're watching on YouTube, uh, we really like when you guys 
participate, let us know. Even sending us a message on YouTube or uh, Facebook or anything. Tell us what you like or don't like or what you want to see. Um, yeah, Team Pale Rider. I, I believe that's Ernest's team's name. Uh, Ernest Berry there. Um, I've got a bunch of questions for you, but I want to get all the questions that have been asked in the chats and stuff out to you first. Um, Keith wants to know um, what the longest or how long have you had the flathead in your tank? Has it been there about two years? Is that what you said? Um, I, be I believe it's pushing three years now. Three years now. And you think how, long, how much longer do you think he's got to be in there? Uh, you think he outgrows it. Well, he won't outgrow it. He he, he just would. Uh, you know, they 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 grow to their environment. He, oh yeah. He would just stay stunted. He'd get wider, but he wouldn't get much longer. But yeah, it's time to get him out back. Okay, and then uh, Major Brown asked. He goes, "Do you think that most of the fish fish that you're catching are just?" Uh, Reaction strikes, they're not necessarily hunger strikes, or? Um, I'm calling it both. my my Dorito theory. I'm calling it uh, just an irresistible impulse strike. Okay. Uh, my, my bigger power presentations, the big crankbaits, the big spinner, the musky stuff, the giant swim baits, that's when you get your reaction strikes. That's when they're actively feeding. I'm catching them most of the time when they're not actively feeding. I got to cover a lot of water to do that yep. in the tube, but um, I, I'm playing the percentages. I, I'm I'm covering 20 times the feeding flats, 20 times the edge lines. I'm covering 20 times the ambush points than a guy sitting on a bank, you know, fishing one spot. I'm I'm covering water, trying to find an active fish or at least a neutral fish that I can coax. Yeah. Have you fished with Jason Kittner yet? No, he was going to come fish with me, but uh, I I can't remember what happened. I don't know if we had bad weather, but uh, I think we're still going to get together. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. Uh, I I think he'll really get into it. Oh, he's a he, he acted like he was he was pretty pumped about it. Uh, I don't know if you guys can see this, but I forgot to mention umbrella rigs. Uh, put on any various swim baits, any various gold products, boom, you got yourself a school of minnows out there. Uh, sometimes that's deadly. And I don't do it like most people, you know, cast and retrieving it. I'm uh, vertical jigging this thing, That just like those two gold jigs, pumping that up, floating it down. Pump, pump. Sometimes a big sweep and a, just a flutter down. A lot of people don't uh, vertical jig umbrella rigs, but I do. Oh, I, th I think that kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, what Lyle was asking you right before you cut out. He was asking if you had any videos that you've done. or. Um... And I've been wanting a GoPro for years, and uh, I was just about to get one, and our water heater goes out on us. It's always something, man. It... <laughs> I'm gonna get a GoPro soon. I promise. I promise. That'd be cool. Also, another question that you know kind of goes along a little bit with that. Um, uh, Denise and Brian, competitive catfishing, sent me a message on Facebook and wanted me to ask you: um, Have you ever like guided, or, or would you ever consider maybe taking uh, people out on like a guided trip doing the float tube fishing? 
yeah, I'd love to, man. I've uh, I've got quite a few people around here into it, and uh, they, it's it's uh, you got to have a musky man's mindset for this game. I mean, I can go out there and float tube for eight hours and not get a strike. This is a, you know, and sometimes I can go out there in one hour and catch three of them. It, you never know, but it's usually a, a very much a patience game and a covering water game, just covering as many flathead hot zones as you can. A lot of people just aren't cut out for the kind of patience this takes. Yep. Um, Johnny Wards asks, uh, do you think this works in lakes as well, and what's your confidence level on getting one or more daily? Uh, if I had all day to fish every day, I, am, I, I think I could get a flathead a day for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's pretty confident. You've got to be in this game. I mean, like I said, when you're, when you're out there jigging for, for six, seven hours without a strike, you've got to stay confident. You've got to keep believing in what you're doing. You've got to, you know what I mean? You've got to keep that confidence up. If, if you start to not believe, you're not going to fish as well, and, and things are just going to go bad from there. Yeah, also, uh, I wanted to ask if you've ever had a flatty nibble on your toes or your feet. <laughs> uh, no, but I've had some really big fish brush up against my legs, especially when I'm night tubing. Uh, big gar, big carp, some of them might be flatties. Uh, and th that, once again, shows you the stealth of the tube. I mean, my flippers are shaped like a fish's tail. I sometimes think when I'm slowly flipping through the water, the the I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting out vibrations like I'm a big fish. Yeah. And I, I try to act like a flathead out there. I try to think like a flathead. <laughs> I just, I, I act like I'm a flathead on the prowl. And what would I, where would I go? Where's the concentrations of bait? Where's the best ambush areas? You know, I, I just, I'm constantly trying to think like a flathead. And that's why I live with a flathead. I've, I've learned a lot from, from this old girl I live with. <laughs> That, how hard is it to maneuver your float tube? Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure that you're in water where your feet aren't touching the bottom, and you know, at, at times and stuff. So, how what what do you do to really keep it, keep it, yourself where you need to be and all that? It's pretty amazing. And, and if anybody wants to do this, the tube doesn't matter so much, but the uh, the fins don't don't skimp on the fins. Um, I would not ever buy a pair of fins under sixty seventy dollars. You want some good fins. That that's your power. That's your movement. So uh, by fins, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what a good set of fins. Uh, how fast you can cruise. I mean, by, uh, by fins, you're telling people that you're you're saying the feet flippers, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just in case people don't know what you're meaning by fins, you know. So, wanted to clarify. Gotcha. Yeah, Major Brown says, at least you don't have to buy gas. <laughs> then ain't that the truth. <laughs> no, and and I don't have to hassle with bait, keeping bait alive, dragging bait around. I got my bait in my pockets, in my pouches. Uh, do you ever have controversy with beavers? I know when we go out in boats, they'll circle our boats and splash their tails at us and 
all that. Have you ever been out on them where they've just been right there and, and really come after you, like get out of here? Beavers scare the living bejeebas <laughs> out of me. Uh, I've had them things come up to the behind me at night in the tube and do the most thunderous tail slaps I've ever heard in my life. Like uh, a Sasquatch just jumped in the water beside me. Uh, yeah, they don't like it when you get in their territory, especially at night. They'll they'll bell slaps and let you know. Yeah, so that that right there really scare you to death. That's about the scariest things a beaver uh, scaring uh, you. That's the scariest thing for me at night, anyways. Uh, I don't mind the fish rubbing against my legs, but I don't like them beavers. <laughs> yeah, that, that I mean, just unexpected. I will be in the boat and uh, you know, ten feet from the boat, and sometimes they'll hit our fishing line. They don't know it's there, but they'll come up to do a tail slap, and, and sometimes water will come in the boat and actually hit you. That's how close they get. But they, they, you know, I could just imagine being in a float tube, uh, you know, and being in their territory, how they would react. Yep. 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 They don't like it. <laughs> I was going to ask, who else do you know that's using artificials like you do, or, or what, what gave you the idea, or did anybody teach you, or is this just something that you sort of have, have started yourself, you know, and, and taken it as far as you can go, or still working on, or what? Oh, this is a lifelong, uh, fishing in general is a lifelong learning experience, and I'm only about uh, between half and three quarters able to think like a flatty. I'm, I'm hoping by the time they put me in the grave, they can say this guy thought like a flathead. <laughs> um, I, I'm constantly learning. Uh, just that's what we're supposed to do. Evolve as anglers, you know, and evolve as humans. And uh, it's just one big learning game. You're supposed to learn something new every time out in the water. So you don't know yeah, of any other specific individual that's using the artificials uh, the way that you're using them? Nobody's taught me. Um, I can credit my father for getting me into fishing when I was five years old and teaching me how to catch a bass. And But other than that, I've, I've done this all on my own. Um, I've been catching flatheads on artificials from the float tube for nine, ten years now, like I said. I haven't seen anybody else posting any pics of anything like I do. Um, I've got a few people into it around here, like I've said, and, and they've caught their first few art, uh, flatheads on artificials, including my sons. Uh, but no one's been able to do it on a consistent basis like I do. Have you thought about doing, because uh, uh, one of the questions in chat is, have, do you tournament fish at all? Um, do you even do you own a boat, or is the two bit. No, I do not own a boat. I, I'm a land surveyor. I, unfortunately, I just don't make a lot of money to be traveling around and to have a boat. So it's so just, the the tube. Uh, have you have you ever like? Do you have maybe a dream of one day getting enough people around you involved enough to where you guys could have some sort of fun tournament? You know, ten bucks a person or something. That would be awesome, and any kayakers or any other small vessels like that that want to join, or even boats, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd take on a boat any day of the week in my float tube. Yeah, that would be something that maybe you can try to organize, you know, sometime down the road, try to get some people involved in, in the, in the area really around you. What I'm really hoping to do, what I, my, one of my main goals in all this is... Uh, you know, I don't want any glory for this. I, I want glory for the flathead. This is a very disrespected species. 
Um, I want to show people that this is an amazing sport fish, man. They're, they're incredible. And I think by showing them, you know, with the artificial aspects of it, that there may be a more of a catch and release ethics with the bigger specimens. I mean, I don't know why anybody wants to eat a 40 or 50 pound, 20 year old fish. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I mean, I got to tell you, man, everything that, that you've been talking about and everything, I think it's, you're awesome, man, honestly. I, I like what you're doing out there. I like uh, the fact that you're conservation minded. Um, you know, I, I really hope nothing but the most success for you and that I get to come fish with you in a float tube someday. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Come All on right. out anytime. I'm, I'll probably do it, man. I will probably do it. If, you, if you've got an extra float tube or something around then, that I could go with you, I'll, I'll probably come out there and, and do that with you. I, I've got a float tube. Uh, my 16-year-old son uses my, my old float tube, but I'm sure he'd let you borrow it. That's awesome. Is, is, is there a certain time of year that you really like to be out there uh, more than others, or, or, or is it you just like to be out there about any time, or is, or is I, like I live said, for this. Catch fish? I, I live for this stuff, but I'd say if I had to pick uh, mid to late fall, I Late think ball. is the best all-around fishing. Yep. This, they're they're feeding up heavy for winter. Now I know that you know you said you you probably catch a lot of other fish besides catfish while doing this. Uh, what's some of the trophy size fish that you've caught of other species? Uh, I've I tangle with a lot of four and five foot gar, which are really fun, and another species that people call trash and kill. Uh, but I say they're a sport fish. I love them. They do some high-flying acrobatics. I've had them fly over my head in the float tube and actually tail slap me in the head. Uh, they're hard to keep hooked up. They, they get off of probably 50% of the time, but I love fighting those. Um, I catch a lot of big drum. Uh, another disrespected fish that fight way harder than a bass. Uh, cut, cut drum up to 20 pounds. And uh, they'll fool me sometimes. Them drum, uh, their initial bulldog run towards the bottom, I'll think I'll have a flatty on at first. But then uh, the drum will start head shaking more than a, than a flathead will. And the, but uh, guard, drum, um, uh, carp, I, I love it all. Bass, crappie, channel cats. What size crappie are you buffalo. catching on these lures? Normal uh, monster when I'm crappie? Using that, when I'm using those smaller uh, four, three and four inch gulps, that double gulp rig that catches just about anything that swims. Yeah. That, that's and that's the great thing about those smaller jigs, like I showed you. Um, there it is. Um, that thing is strong enough to hold a sixty pound flathead, but it's small enough to also catch a big slab crappie. So it's 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 a real multi species rig that double double jig rig. Now, when you catch like a crappie or bass or any of that, do you take that home to eat, or does it depend on the water you're at? Or I, I will keep a prolific species, you know, with a five-year lifespan like a crappie. Uh, it, it, that's one thing people got to realize that people get all heated about CPR, selective harvest, you know, uh, meat hogs. There's a fine line there, and it, it's 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 selective harvest, and just no. But you got to know every waterway is different, and every waterway has to be selectively harvested different. 
Yeah. You know, depending, every waterway has its own dynamics, its own carrying capacity, its own population density of various year classes. You got to get to know those waterways. You got to pick and choose wisely. Wisely. I mean, I the the year classes that are the most prolific will will show themselves to you, and you keep a few of those. If all the year classes are are showing themselves, then you keep one of each. But I mean, I just in no circumstances. Why do you need to keep a fifty and sixty pound flathead like uh, no? All the noodlers, all the juggers, all the trout liners, all the limb liners. Now I don't you know got if it was... bow fishing becoming yeah. one of the most prolific sports across the U.S. Uh, how soon before they wipe out the alligator gar? Yep, uh, and I don't know if it was you or Lyle or somebody made a comment recently about uh, um, basically the uh, the CPR and, and selective harvest, and, and that was the key word is the selective harvest, you know. That that's what it should be all about. I think they should do away with CPR because that's that's um, that's got a real negative connotation with it. I see through the various catfishing sites, I, and as soon as you mention CPR, people get upset and angry, uh, and then fights break out. You know, it's just I don't know. It, it's it's not that it, CPR is bad. It's just no. the fact that it's the the connotation of it, almost like right, right. The co it, to to a lot of people, it's an all or nothing proposition. CPR. Yeah. Like you have to do this, and people don't like to be told what to do, especially hard-headed catters. I get what you're saying. Like like I said, like Asian carp is is got such a negative connotation to it that even though it's one of the best fish that you'll ever eat. They pretty much had to change the name of it. The chefs that are cooking it for people had to change the name of it for people to want to eat it because Asian carp has such a negative connotation to it. Right. So, so when you say CPR, yeah, you're 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 saying that you know a lot of people immediately stiffen up and yes, and, you know. I mean, yeah, we can we can keep the time honored tradition of table fare, but also maintain quality fisheries. Yep, and and it's it's. That's what I mean. There is a lot of people that on Facebook they immediately want to jump down someone's throat for not holding a fish right, not uh, not letting a fish go, and that's the wrong way to approach it. And I know we've talked about this quite a bit. Um, the 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 best thing you can do, and and I do this, and it's I think it's about the only way you can do it is just to at the very least say you know if you're gonna release that fish you're you're not holding it correctly uh... the most of the time they'll tell you you know hey i'm you know i gut hooked it i'm gonna eat it you know and that's the thing is you you got a big forty or fifty pound fish and it's gonna die at, you should eat that fish you know at least respect the species enough to to put that food to waste or not put that food to use and not waste it um, you know i mean it, it's gonna happen you know Every big trophy fish isn't going to be able to be kept after it's been caught. Ideally, yes, you do want to put it back, but you're not going to gain somebody's respect or uh, following by yelling and screaming and, and you know demanding that they do something on Facebook on a picture. Uh, the best thing you can do is, what's that? Especially when it's actually legal for them to do that. Yeah, and it's it's completely legal. It's normally legal just about anywhere. 
but yeah, you gotta you have to be respectful. The most you can do is educate them. Uh, try to try to help them understand why they should be putting that fish back or or whatnot. And you know, if you go at them all hard nosed, all you're gonna do is get that uh, um, that hard nosed response back. I mean, you're just gonna get somebody that's just gonna stiffen up on you and not not really want to do any listen to anything you have to say. Yeah, I, I've I've been a lot in a lot of those battles myself and I've learned the same thing and um, now I, I just try to do it in a calm and educating manner and not chastise not judge just try to explain you yep. know my side and and how I've seen the decimation you know in my own waters that's that's why I'm so adamant about this I mean I mean when when fish stack up on dams and they're in predictable locations people just hammer them I, I mean and and they take everything and, and what's that doing it's it's leaving very few fish left to spawn at those dams and the fish that are left are the smaller individuals usually and we're just depleting the quality of the genetics in our waterways year after year that's why we don't see very many 60 to 100 pound flatheads anymore where have all those fish gone those used to be a very common thing in the US Hell, 100 to 150 used to be common 100 years ago. Look what's happened in that 100 years. Now a 50, 60-pound flathead is a trophy, when in actuality that that fish is only half grown. And, yep. You know, if, if, if things keep up, uh, in 10 years a 40-pounder will be considered a trophy. Not, not if we can do anything about it. That's that's what, you know, shows like ours and and some of the people that are doing it the right way are trying to get out there and, and well, you know, well people get... like I said they're hard-headed and, and they, they're doing it the way Pappy and Grandpappy showed them uh, they gotta realize there's millions more catters out there now you, you not only you, you think about what you're doing oh, oh I can't personally hurt this waterway you gotta think about what Tom, Dick, Harry and Bubba are also doing I mean we gotta it's one of the fastest Growing catfishing is exponentially growing every year. It's more and more catters, more pressure on the waterways, more and, pressure on the bigs. And that's why we got to get the youth educated right now and let them understand exactly what needs to be done, so that way they can have those 60 pounders when they grow up, not 40 Abs pounders. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, Jason Acock said that he basically says you're awesome too. Uh, he'd love to see it. Um, said you must have a set of marbles on you to do that at night and that kind of reminds you you kind of remind him of Clint Newton fishing in the wooden pea rolls I think he says that's what it's called and he wants to know about snakes I've had a few try to try to come on board with me but uh, yeah. I got my poles right there and my <laughs> fins right there I just swat them away like flies yeah I'd be yeah, I uh, bet nope <laughs> Yeah, I bet you get some uh, really good night vision, uh, you know, being out there uh, for so long with, with nothing going on. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I'm, you know, we're going on an hour and 15 minutes. I think we'll probably uh, – I, I, I honestly think that this is awesome. I definitely think that, like, in Fisherman and stuff, you should have articles written about, you know, what you're doing with the artificials. Um, I love the fact that we got you to get on the show. Uh, hopefully, we'll, you know, I, I would love to have you back on again at some point. Um, 
I know there's going to be a, a, a lot of interest in this in, in coming months and years, so um, whatever techniques that are being used that are working and, and w would just be fun to do to get out and try, I think is uh, definitely what the sport needs. So um, I applaud you for everything you're doing. Uh, hopefully, like I said, we'll get you back on. Chuck or Lyle, do you guys have anything else for Keith? Uh, no, I'm good. Yeah, I am too. All right, All right, fellas, uh, I appreciate you having me, man, and uh, I just got one last thing to say. You were talking about it's legal, and there's nothing we can do about it. I just want people to know just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. Uh, don't make it morally pay, right. Pay, pay lakes are legal, and uh, they're raping a lot of rivers in Ohio, in Indiana, West Virginia. I mean thousands of pounds a week to thousands of different pay lakes. And uh, it's pretty ridiculous, man. That needs to be shut down. Pay lakes need to raise their own fish. I'm not saying shut pay lakes down. I'm saying quit raping our public rivers. Yep. Gr grow farm-raised catfish or grow your own fish. We absolutely – I'm in Indiana, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and like I said, I, I'm, I applaud you for being in a complete different state and being as passionate about it as you are, even though it's not necessarily happening your – waters it's happening in mine so um you know like i said thanks a lot for for being as passionate about it as you are and and helping educate the, the correct way all right man you guys have a good night and holler at me anytime and let me know when you want to come tubing i will and, and anybody on here watching the show or listening to the show i would bet that if you're more interested or you want to be friends with them on facebook you can probably send them a request and you'll probably accept it and probably answer any questions you have and all that kind of stuff. So. Why don't you uh, spell his name out, Chris, if you have it there? His name is Keith Severns, and that's K-E-I-T-H S-E-V-E-R-N-S Severns. So, alright, thanks again, Keith. And Thank hopefully you. we'll have you on again sometime. Alright, tight lines to you, fellas. Alright, see you later, bud. See ya. Chuck, did you have a uh, any closing statements or anything? No, I I don't have anything to go over tonight. All right, Lyle. Um, Twisted Cat Outdoors have a tournament in Nauvoo, Illinois, which is right above Quincy. For those of you that don't know, uh, this Saturday uh, launch will be at seven. Weigh in at three. We are uh, looking into uh, the ramp to make sure there's enough water to launch boats in and out of. The water is raising, so uh, check the Facebook page for TCO. Uh, should have something figured out and have it all posted up tomorrow. But as it stands right now, we'll be going out of that out of that ramp. A uh, lot, a lot of calls about this tournament. It'll be above the Keokuk Dam and below the uh, dam to the north. So it's a one pool channel cat basically tournament unless somebody trips on a flathead. And that's it for me. All right. Um, a few things from me. Um, again, I want to. I had a, I had a birthday. I turned 37 on May 14th. Happy birthday to me. Um, there's been a few other birthdays this week. I believe David Ashby had a birthday. I believe. Uh, um, uh, who else? Mary Jane and Terry, or Mary Jane, uh, had a birthday. Um, Brad. Durek, I believe, had a birthday. There's a lot of cool people that had birthdays here this past couple of days. 
<laughs> Everybody cool was born in May. But, yeah, happy birthday to everybody that had a birthday. Um, again, congratulations to Mary Jane and Terry. And, uh, um, again, uh, thanks to Ernest and the, the team that beat out Ernest. I forget their name already, but, um, you know, congratulations to you guys. Uh, sounds like you put your time in and, and, and uh, really that's what helped you get that win. You earned it. Um, Thanks to Keith Severn for coming on the show tonight. Uh, that was, I think, one of uh, one of the one of the best shows we've had. I really think that's some quality uh, information that not a lot of people have or can get right now. So uh, hopefully we'll have him on again, and we'll be able to do uh, some more in depth and have more people on that have questions for him and things like that. Um, thanks to all the sponsors. Um, I think Major Brown asked if Cat, Catfish Magazine was still online. Uh, I believe there still is an online version as well as a print version. I think that's the way they're doing it. I'm not totally positive. Uh, do you guys either, either of you know that for sure one way or the other? As far as I know, it will stay online. It'll, my understanding is it will always be online. He's just making the uh, print version uh, available to those who want it. Okay. That's my understanding. Yep, so that's what I, I was kind of thinking too, so... Uh, definitely check that out. There is 64 or 65 teams paid for Monsters on the Ohio. I think I think this year is going to break his record. I think he's going to have more teams this year than he's ever had before. Uh, Monsters on the Ohio. I think that me and Alex are going to whoop everybody's butt. So you might as well just save your money and not show up because I'm going to talk all kinds of crap, <laughs> especially, especially to all you all you ICA guys. You don't want none of this. I'll put it to you. No. <laughs> uh, he said their website is down on that. I'm not sure what's. It could just be a temporary thing there, Major Brown. Um, Send him a, a message on Facebook. Yeah, Doug Smith, I think is his name. Yes. So I don't know if you're not friends with him. Maybe you just go to the, the Catfish Magazine Facebook page and send him a message. Um, yeah, also... Uh, you know, Black Horse Rods and Catfish Tech, uh, anybody else that's interested in, in having the ad put on the website, get a hold of me. We can get you set up and get you put on there. Um, I think uh, for tournaments this week, I think the, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's uh, Josh Vanover's. Um, tournament trail that they're going to have out of Owensbury. I think they call it like the the Catfish Classic or something along that lines. It's a hundred and hundred and fifty dollar entry fee. Uh, I think it had to be in maybe by yesterday or today. But if you wanted to pay the more amount to get into it later, I think you can do that as well. Uh, you can send him a message and find out more information about that. Um, ICA's next tournament is not until. Um, June 13th at Max, Kentucky. Um, that's in Culver, Indiana. Hopefully you guys can show up to make that. That's an all-night tournament. It'll be 7.30 at night till 7.30 in the morning. Uh, if you guys did not know, I am now the president of the Indiana Catfish Association. Hector Carrillo resigned. Um, so I'm going to be doing the best I can to, to help run the ICA and make it go smooth this year. Um, 
Not sure if I'll if I'll run at the end of this year to run again for two years or not, but if I do, I have a lot of good ideas. Hopefully that uh, we can help you know get the ICA back to to rolling back like it was in its glory days and all that. But uh, thanks again, everybody, for logging in and to the chat and talking with us and asking questions during the show tonight. Um, we really appreciate it, and hopefully we'll see y'all again next Monday. Until then. You guys stay out of my fishing spot. Stay out.